morning we are we are looking at did God really say praise the Lord and if you have your Bibles we're going to ask each Sunday through August the question did God really say All right, so we're ready to go. Now, thank Brother French for this overlay. Did God really say? There are many, many times in, in the scripture where something God has said is either misunderstood or is people are surprised to find that God actually said it or that Jesus himself actually said it. In fact, through the years, and Brother French and I talked about this, when back last year when we were working on this series and said, let's do a series on some things that are challenging, uh, I said, well, you know, the thing that has really been on my heart is the in the Lord's Prayer where it says, Jesus says, and lead us not, can you say that with me? And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. And I think people often misunderstand that. So I said, well, that, that's something I would be looking. I'd be looking in several other places in Scripture. But I've, I've decided to uh, this morning, since I'm starting the series off, to look at something a little different. And so what we will do is we will look at This question or this expression, did God really say, love thy neighbor? Praise God. Love thy neighbor. And I think that I think that the question of of love, of course, is uh, one of the most misunderstood aspects of the gospel. For example, I've had people say, well, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And so that means I have to let people just come in and if they want to kidnap my kids. I just got to give them to them. I had a guy say that one time. I said, if you do that, you're the biggest fool that ever lived. Someone needs to your wife needs to take a, a what are those big things that you roll the bread or whatever that is a rolling a roller. Take the roller. No, no, I, I don't mean that at all. You don't don't take a roller. But that's what I felt like. I wasn't very loving, was I? All right. But, but the idea, he, he thought that Jesus was telling him that he couldn't protect his family, couldn't protect his kids. And some people take it so far as to interpret Jesus' words as though that you are to love your enemies to the point that if you're a country, you can't even defend yourself. You can't have soldiers and so forth. And I said, well, it, it, you, you can see how misunderstood or that uh, and so on and so forth. So today we're going to ask ourselves. Why did Jesus say and why does the Old Testament say, why did God say, love thy neighbor? Now, I'm having to come back up here because I didn't set this up where I could do it from a distance, and I feel like walking around. Okay, now, here we come to Mark 12. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, we're looking at Mark chapter 12, and Jesus answered him, and, and then he goes right into his answer. 
And the, the first of all, the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Everyone say, praise the Lord. Now, I've often used Mark 12, 29 for my Trinitarian friends. And when I was a Trinitarian, I, it suddenly began to dawn on me that if Jesus taught that there, was, there were three gods or three persons in a god or three persons in the Trinity or whatever term you want to use, in other words, there's three gods or three somethings that uh, are in the Godhead or something like that, then Jesus would have said, okay, then I, let me explain the Shema because the Shema couldn't, we, we can no longer think of it as hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But Jesus did not say that. He reaffirmed the Shema. So when they ask him, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus answered Mark 12 and 29. The first of all the commandments is, what is it? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, if I've typed that right, then that has been translated exactly. In other words, this is Greek. All right. So it doesn't start off Shema. The Greek is Akua. So it would be Akua Yisrael. So you would have here, you would have hero Israel. But in the English, the, the King James translators made it come out exactly the way the Hebrew was translated in Deuteronomy 6.4. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love. See? That's the greatest commandment. So, folks, to talk about love is not an insignificant thing. And to talk about what it means to love. And for someone to be so foolish as to say, well, if a police officer carries a gun, that's not loving. No, it, he's not running around loving. He's running around keeping the order and, and so forth. And the Bible speaks of that as well. Nowhere in Scripture does it say all the, all the soldiers are supposed to put their swords over here in a big hole somewhere. Jesus never went around and said, okay, I'm telling you, every soldier needs to lay down his sword. That wasn't what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about what the government was doing. He was talking about what's in our hearts and what the Christian is supposed to do and what, it, uh, what the Judaic faith was all about. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Can you say amen? So with all here, it's they've added a fourth of all the places here. We're seeing with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. So here. Jesus is making a, a distinction between because it doesn't mean the heart that's pumping the blood here. That cannot be the heart they're referring to. So they have to be, and the soul is the center of one's emotions. The center, we, we sometimes think of the center of our being. So that we know and understand the distinction between the spirit and the soul. But now we're seeing a distinction between the heart and the soul and the mind and with all thy strength, which we might say is what? I mean, are we supposed to be muscle men and so I'll get real strong and then I'll love the Lord with my muscles? No, no, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about with all of my ability, all the strength that I have, or we could say power. This is the first commandment. Everyone say first. 
This is the first commandment. Jesus didn't say that that commandment had been dropped and nobody has to go by the commandments. Heard a guy the other day talking about Ten Commandments don't even apply anymore. They don't even apply anymore. That's what he was saying. I thought, oh, turn that off. <laughs> and the second is like, which I like the way that Mark has, has said this. Of course, it's the Bible. I like it for that reason. But I also like the fact that Mark wrote the way he wrote. By the way, Mark's Greek is so interesting. It's the most interesting of all the New Testament writings. Some people call Mark's Greek the best Greek in the entire Bible. Of all the religious documents, Mark wrote with this great ability. Someone said, well, why didn't the doctor? Well, everyone knows that a doctor can't write. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. Now, I've, I have read at times, and I'm going to weigh in on it just because I'm teaching it's my lesson do how I want to. But every once in a while, I'll read where people think that as thyself is a third element. In other words, thou shalt love thy neighbor as you love yourself. And people do this, for example, in the Lord's Prayer, our Father, hallowed be thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And see, they think that's another element, as it is in heaven, and so forth. And, and it does that several times. For example, it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. See? And some people think, foolishly, I, I think, that, that God will only, he's sitting around going, okay, oh, oh no, no, oh, I was going to forgive. Oh, no, they're, they're not forgiving. Like, he's sitting around only doing what you're doing. And, of course, that's not the point at all. That's not at all what he's trying to get. That, okay, as I'm, okay, I'm over here and I'm, oh, I'm being really, oh, God's going to be nice now. Because I'm being nice. That's, that, that was not the point. It's much deeper than, than getting a gauge and saying, okay, here's, here's okay, I'll be, do this much. The same is true here, of course. The second is like, King James translates it, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And some people think that means that we are being commanded there to love ourselves. And what we're getting this from is in the new Christian psychology where people say, oh, you've got to love yourself. If you don't love yourself and, and so forth. And, and, and let me say something about that. Of course, I've, I've been saying something about it, but let me say something else about that. And that is you going back and figuring out whether you had enough oatmeal when you were a little child Oh, of course, you probably ate grits like I did, but you know what I'm saying. And whether or not somebody loved you enough or g gave you the proper way to love yourself. See, what has happened is we have become, now listen, we've be by this interpretation of love thyself, we have become so inward. We, have, we are looking at ourselves so much that we have lost the concept of love. 
Because if you only have self-love, if that's where we're going to start, if this is a third commandment, love yourself, go treat yourself, man, get out there, don't let anybody tell you what to do. If that's your beginning point, you've lost the concept of love. Because all love begins with God. Can you say praise the Lord? It all begins with God. Okay, now I, I know I'm watching the time. Here we go. So, so that's our, our scripture. I, I, I wanted to use uh, Mark for a number of reasons, and, and there it was. Now, first of all, we also see this, though, in Luke, and I'm not going to pick it up over there. Uh, it's basically the same story, except that Luke decides to give us a description, or let's call it an example instead of description, because in a minute I'm gonna, I want to read a description. So write out a scripture. And so what we're asking is, how are we to love our neighbor? And obviously the first question is, well, who in the world is my neighbor? And, and we have to answer that. So, or we have to think about that. And so, and so Jesus is telling us the answer to it in, or Luke, <laughs> Luke decides through the Spirit, of course, to give us this question from a fella who comes up, which I, I guess I should have just read it as to be ex explaining it, but the guy comes up and he's basically making excuses for his lack of character. The fact that he doesn't think it matters. Loving people doesn't matter. Now, I cannot tell you the times that people have said to me, I, I was told one week ago today, not, not Sunday, so it couldn't have been one week, one week ago or so, that you are too nice, Brother French. That's what they said to me. And you need to get tough, they said. You need to get tough. They didn't use the word tough, but I'm not going to use the word they used. And, and it's nobody, nobody here. I'm not talking about somebody in this church. So don't, don't sit around, oh, talk about the prince like that. Because they were worried that some poor homeless person was going to take advantage of me. Because when they come up and they know they're finagling, they mistakenly assumed by watching it that I was giving in to some wino stupidity. What? Because I was being nice to them. But, see, I'm going to tell you who was stupid. Wasn't that wino? And it wasn't your pastor. And there were just three of us there. What they saw, what they thought they saw, was a weak preacher who would just give in to anything. That's what they thought they saw. What they really saw was a child of God that said, I'm going to love this person. I choose to love this person. I choose to love this person. He's unlovable. Nobody loves him. I choose to love him. In other words, I'm going to explain why that is a Christian principle. I'm going to explain it, especially because far too many Christians are unloving. They think they're loving because they pick and choose when they're going to love. And because they love in certain cases, they think that's enough for the, you know, that's enough right there. I love him and her and, and my kids and, and uh, but now their kids, oh, oh boy, I hate them. And, you know, they, they got it all worked out. Okay, now, so Jesus uses this. I, I don't know. I, I, I want to get through this. I better tap dance. Okay, now, so the question then was from this fella who basically was, well, I, I'm, way, I'm interpreting way deep into it. I don't want to go too far. So he basically says, I'm going to say a smart aleck. You, you may not like that. Maybe that's a little rough. 
Who is my neighbor? Then who is my neighbor? Because Jesus told him, you know, go love your neighbor as yourself. He quoted Leviticus, which is exactly what Jesus was quoting when they said, what, what, are, the, what, what are the great commandments? He didn't say, well, there's so many commandments, I, I can't pick one. That's not what he said. He said, there are two. These are the two greatest commandments that exist. He didn't say they're no longer in force. He didn't say you don't have to go by the Ten Commandments. He said, these are the two great commandments. Sorry, in, in Luke, he adds this smart aleck question. Well, then, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers with the story of the Good Samaritan. How many remember the story of the Good Samaritan? Anybody? Okay, that's scary. Now, if I'd asked that in the primary class, it wouldn't have been scary at all. But, but I, of course, let me, you don't have to raise your hand, but let me say it this way. You, you recall the story of the Good Samaritan? Okay, let's get the main points. Number one, he was not a full Hebrew. He was a Samaritan. Some people, uh, this may be an offensive term, I don't know. I probably should think about it. Samaritans were considered by full-blooded Jews to be half, half breeds. That term is what I was wondering if I should say. You're not really, you're neither, you're, no, you're really nothing. You're a Samaritan. And, and Jesus even said in John that they didn't have any, the Jews and the Samaritans had nothing to do with each other. That's why there's a place called Samaria. Because over there, that's where these folks were. Anyway, he tells this story. And in the story, he says, now let, let me ask you something here. And, of course, the point of the story was that this guy doing the loving was really not considered to be much of anybody. This cocky, smart aleck guy would have easily said, well, I'm not going to emulate him. He's a Samaritan. So Jesus tells the story of, a, of thieves that you... So you see what I'm saying? The story of the Good Samaritan. And, and he ends up on the side of the road. And, of course, what's really important here is that the religious guys walk right by. How many remember that in the story? See, that is the point of the story, that these supposedly superior folks who were, of course, 100% Jewish, not just Jewish, but priests, I mean upper crust they come walking by, and instead they see it. That's what they did. And Jesus said, who was loving? Whose responsibility was that fella in the ditch? Who was supposed to help him? I'm... I'm, I'm uh, Ad living here. Who was supposed to who was supposed to reach out? Who who was doing the loving thing here? And he had to admit, all those super spiritual folks were not loving. It was the Samaritan that loved him. And and the answer, are you everybody say praise the Lord? And the point I mean, not the answer, I guess the answer, but the point was that loving is an act. And saying you're full of love doesn't mean you're full of love. You can say it all day long. 
So in the center here of this overlay, if it's still still there, let's let's get this dot. We gotta have the dot on here. Okay, there's the dot. All right. And that is my neighbor is whoever has a human need and is closest to me. Now, think with me, because some of you will miss this, but I want to say it. I really believe it. I, I believe it's important in terms of Christian love. Saying that you love the world, God so loved the world. Say that with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay, we'll stop there. So saying that you love the world is for humans is the same as saying, I love someone I've never seen, don't really expect to ever see. I care about them in some, some distant, ethereal way, and that is not the love that Jesus was referring to there. Now, loving everybody, can everybody say everybody? Okay, that really sounded, oh, that sounded terrible. But could we say it again? Could everybody say everybody? Okay, when he said that you're to love your neighbor, he, no, 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 some, I want you to listen. I don't want you to judge it. I want you to think about it. He didn't mean love everybody. Like, you've got to, folks, it isn't, it isn't possible to love. Now, you could say, well, in my heart, I love a person over in the other side of the world who I will never meet. Yes, I know that. I know that my point isn't that you love someone across the world who's different than you. My point is that's not what Jesus is asking us to do. He didn't say love somebody around the world over there. Now you say, well, I need to love them, so I'll pray for them. And so, yes, 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 that's right. But not because they're around the world, but because they're your neighbor. You say they can't be my neighbor. They don't live next door. They are your neighbor because they are human. But the point of the story is I'm to love the person and help the person. In other words, love is more than just this thought I have and this feeling. I, it's more than feeling. Let's say that. Sounds like a song. I'm sorry. Love is more than a feeling. Mm -hmm. If that's a song, I'm sorry. Love is action. Love is doing for the one that's near you. So if you're in the ditch and you walk by, I don't care what college you went to. I don't care what you call yourself. You're not loving. You can say, well, I wrote a book on love. I don't care. That person needed you. And you had no compassion. Can we lift our hands and thank God for his love that reached down into the ditch and lifted us out of the miry clay? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So what I'm saying is that Jesus is telling us here that our neighbor is the one that is in need, that is near us. So neighbor isn't merely everyone. Of course, we're to love everyone. That's not the point of the story. But the better answer is anyone, whosoever it is that is near us. Sometimes it will challenge us. So I want to, that's what I want to talk about. The challenge of loving a neighbor. I don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to do it quickly. But the challenge of loving the unlovable and loving people that are ungodly, still loving them. 
And I think when the church gets a hold of it, we'll have the greatest revival in the history of the church when we really love our neighbor, hallelujah, when we care for them. All right, now, Galatians says, so, so loving whoever it is, I'm going to use the word anyone, if I put it in green, then you know it's really important, all right? So here it is, anyone, oops, anyone, but anyone within reach, so that love is seen in action, not because I had this feeling about someone around the world, but here's this person right in front of me. Now, I have had occasion, and I'll read Galatians. I, I need to move on. But I have had occasion where someone looked at a circumstance and said I was unloving. I've had that happen too. Although you, you do know that I just told you that this week someone said, you are too nice. How many remember that story? You are too nice. And then I just left. That's a, the last time I want to tell that story. You're too nice. You need to get mean. You need to get right down in there, boy. That's what they wanted me to do. Because they interpreted that to mean that I was a pushover. That's really what they were saying. I said, well, what if I did that to you? Why don't I just do that to you right now? Oh, that'd be different because he's a bum. See, that's the way they looked at it. So I could treat him like a bum because he's a bum. You treat the bum like a bum, and then I treat them like they're, well, I guess, uh, well, I don't know. They didn't exactly say who they were. But the, I, you get the idea that we are to love the person that's in need that is there in front of us. We certainly are to love one another. Everybody say praise the Lord, which we will look at that. Well, we've got a few minutes, so we'll try to, we'll try to hit the highlights here. Now, here we have... And I'm going to, maybe I'll come back to that in just a moment. Galatians 6.10. Now, it says, as we have therefore opportunity. Can you say that with me? As we have therefore opportunity. See, this is exactly my point. This is what I'm, why I'm using Galatians 6.10. That whoever, wherever the need is, and I have opportunity to meet the need. Someone said, well, I need $10,000. Well, sorry. I don't have opportunity. Could you, hey, Rev, could you, could you loan me about a thousand bucks? Sorry, you don't have the opportunity. I've had, you'd be surprised what people want. Can you take, I need you to take me clear to the moon. Sorry, don't have the opportunity. Some people think that no matter what you're doing, it makes no difference. You're to stop, and the other person's need is nothing. You're to come and take care of their need. That's some people. And you say, sorry, I'm taking care of this person's need right now. I'm doing something. Well, see, and, and am, am I going to lose a minute's sleep over the fact that they're judging whether I love them because I'm trying to help someone else? See, folks. We're not loving people because someone's watching us. We're loving people because God told us to love people. We're to love them, truly love them. And if we struggle with it, then we work on it. We take the Bible and say, okay, I'm working on this. And believe me, it takes, it takes work. So as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them are of the household of faith. I'm going to say especially. Especially your brother and your sister. There are people, now let me say this, and I'm, I'm going to move on. I know I'm watching, I'm watching, that treat other people wonderfully, but their own 
pastor or their own brother or sister, they reserve little, little things that they would never say to a stranger because they're getting even or they're using it as an opportunity to show that they don't need this particular person. And all of that needs to be put under the blood. Every grief, every offense, everything. If someone has a, if, and, and here's what I'd like us to do right now. And I, we've got about five minutes, so I'm going to wrap it up in five minutes. But I want us to pray that God will help us put everything that's happened, whatever it may be, or whoever it is that's struggling with something, that God will help us to put it under the blood. Can we just lift a hand and let's just tell the Lord, Father, whatever it is, it may be a, a brother, a sister, maybe your mother, your father, your children, someone has said something, a harsh word, it's time to put it under the blood. Love will put it under the blood. Love will say, I let it go because I love that person. And I give you praise. Amen. Amen. One time I said to someone, would you mind if I, 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 need, to, I need to do this. I'm going to have to let you go. And I'm going to help this person over here. Would you mind if I do that? And they said, Pastor, you do what you need to do. I said, well, I'm going to have to let you go. I was, I, I was, I'll finish that when I get a chance. But right now, I've got to help. The, I've got to talk to this person right here. That's what love does. That's what love does. Love, in other words, says I'm going to do the right thing to help the, my neighbor. So, of course, and all that's based on the moral principle of who God is and God's love. Now, Matthew 5 says, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. And this is where and I, I'll, I, I won't pause here very long, but this is this is exactly my point earlier when someone said you're far too nice in other words they were trying to say there's a certain way you got to handle people and i understand and i said i i understand what you're saying there's a way sometimes if someone's a you know the judge may be real nice and then and you're in the courtroom and then he has to get a little rough with the i understand that you you whatever you have to do to deal with that particular moment and so on i understand that but jesus said and here's what people have trouble with love your enemies this is really what shook the world because Jesus loved even those who crucified him. And he passed that love on to us and said, you're to love those closest to you. Bless them that curse you. Now, I think this is we're we're already so deep now into aspects of love that some of us cannot even receive it. To bless someone that curses you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Very, very interesting. Of course, it's based on the fact that God loved us. We were his enemy, and he loved us in spite of it. Now, let's look at what biblical love is. And, and let me check here because we'll see how many seconds we have. All right, so biblical love is... I'm going to describe it this way, the motive of all Christian action. Really, some of you, everybody say praise the Lord, hallelujah, really not just Christian love. The truth is, I believe this, all action is based on love, sinner or saint. Either you're loving yourself or you're loving someone else. 
everything you're doing is now many, many people live their lives loving themselves. And they walk up to a car, shoot into the car, and kill the girl because they love themselves. I want what they've got. I'm taking it. I'm tough. I don't need anybody. No, no policemen. Nobody's telling. Culture's not telling me what to do. They love themselves. Every, every motivation is really based on love. But you cannot receive that. But someday, I'm going to stand by that. I stood by it my whole life. That love is at the basis. It is the motivator of every action that goes on in our lives. For example... Our families. Think about the way you're motivated to do things in your own family. There are people jealous of you in your family because they love themselves. They're jealous of your money because they love themselves. They want what you've got. Now, the, the other love, that I'll call that self-love for a moment, that kind of love is, is destructive. But loving others based on God's love, that's the most powerful Motivation in the entire world. As I say at the bottom, love is a motivator to action. In fact, God didn't say, well, it'd be nice if you loved one another. He commanded that we would love. For thou shalt love. That's a command. In the Hebrew, that's a command. In the Greek, that's a command. We are commanded to love. If you love me, can you read that John 14 at the bottom with me? If you love me, keep my commandments. All right, now we've only, let's see if we can get this last one in. So actions, we can act out of our, let's say, emotions, but what I'm, what I'm referring to here is feelings. We can act out of what we feel. For example, they're a bum. That's acting out of emotion. Or we can act out of our will. We can choose to love. We can will to love even when our feelings Tell us, I don't like them. The Bible didn't say you had to like everything about everybody. He said you have to love them. You have to overcome your emotions to care about them. Jesus exemplified this here in his prayer in the garden. Father, let this cup pass from me. His, his own will was to not drink the cup, but he chose the Father's will instead. So the choice to act lovingly regardless of feelings is really the test of love. I am going to love others regardless of how I feel about them. Someone said, that guy that guy, and they'll list I was going to name some things. And I don't I don't even want to be around that guy, see? I didn't say you had to be around him, but you still have to love them. You may not, some people wouldn't even walk into a prison ministry because they have, they have no sense of, maybe they're afraid or whatever. I'm not saying you ought to be in a prison ministry, but I'm saying some people wouldn't even think of walking into a prison and saying, I love these people, I'm going to care for them. But how many knows that we can love everybody? Praise God, makes me love everybody. So I must choose to act, that is, I must will to act in conformity with God's will. I'm going to love even though my feelings tell me otherwise. So I choose to act for the welfare of another, no matter how I may feel about them. Here's an example. Honesty, and I've I'm, I'm still got the time. Don't worry, I'm watching it. Honesty does not demand that a son tell his father of his hostility. 
toward him. There's nothing, I'm talking about an ethical truth here, a moral reality. Love does not demand that you go to your father and say, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Some people, I'm going to be brutally honest. When people start with the word brutally honest, they mean they're going to be mean to you. That's what they mean. I'm going to be, and so a son comes up and says, Dad, you make me so angry. Okay, honesty does not demand that. You could keep any unworthy feeling to yourself, but there's another level, and that's the level of love, and then we'll stop. That is, love would never permit a heart to abuse his own father or a father his own son because love is concerned about the other person. Could we stand together? Now, we need to stop. So love of others or self underlies all motivation, and the Spirit of God guides us into love. So we choose to act consistently in loving ways regardless of our feelings. I wonder today if you know someone that needs prayer. Could you just lift your hearts and let's pray for them right now? And let's pray for one another as a praise team's getting ready to come. Father, I thank you today for every family. Pray that your blessing would be on each home. I pray that love will fill our homes and that we will be loving to one another, that your spirit will guide us in everything that we're doing. And Lord, we give you praise for it. I want to I wanna love you, Lord, more than I have ever loved you before. I want to grow deeper in my understanding and my love for you and for my neighbor, and I give you praise for it. It's the will of God that we love God and love our neighbor, and he's going to help us to do it.